This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Club to you too, or whatever. You know, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. We welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals capusta, lumpy, pierogi, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Polish tradition there. Welcome, everybody, to the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And uh, actually, proud sp- uh, yeah, our proud sponsor, Rent College Pads. Uh, make sure you guys check out Rent College Pads if you're looking for any great apartments out in the Madison, in the campus area. And uh, great to have them as our sponsor. And it's a special edition of the show. We're waiting for the Polish Rifle, Scott Wisniewski, to pop on in just a couple minutes. I am Jay Kukorowski, and we got a special guest, of course. Uh, you've heard him quite a few times. Uh, one of our favorite guests here on the show, we got BadgerNation.com's Ben Wargle, and I think both him and I, uh, along with many other writers that cover National Signing Day, are, as, and as he said offline, uh, tired and wired, I think is the accurate terminology for that. Ben, happy National Signing Day, and how are you winding down this Wednesday evening? You're it. This is the last commitment that I have. <laughs> to be honest with you, I've been up. Uh, I've been up since about 5:45 this morning. I uh, put in a late shift last night to make sure everything was ready, all the player cards and everything for social media. So got up and been grinding since. Tried to take a nap, and my two-year-old jumped on me two minutes in. So that was the end of that. Uh, <laughs> a lot of radio, a lot of radio commitments. Uh, podcast I did earlier. Uh, a lot of stories. A lot of video. A lot of coaches to talk to and you're it you're the grand finale after this i'm going to make myself a cocktail that sounds good i think i might do the same as i'm finishing off some stuff here and i hope you guys had a chance to listen uh, you know to uh check out of course badgernation.com and bucky's fifth quarter for uh all the recruiting news and you know uh, with just the way this class has gone you look at it if i'm not mistaken 25 scholarship commits uh, just over a handful of, of walk-ons that are formally introduced, uh, and, and head coach Paul Christ mentioned why regarding the the admittance into the University uh, of Wisconsin uh, before the others uh, that were talked about during the week, even uh, in and whatnot on that end. But your your general thought, and let me you know, and, and let me just you know, uh, let me ask you on this: your general thoughts of this 2015 class. And if I'm not mistaken, I checked around 4 o'clock. Scout.com has this Wisconsin Badgers class pretty high right now, especially considering the years past. Yeah, they're 20, they're 25, um, and, and that's pretty much where they're going to stay. There's a couple kids out there in the Scout 300 that are still uh, uncommitted, and they didn't sign today for whatever their personal reasons are. And But the schools they're choosing from are in front of Wisconsin in the rankings. So um, those will kind of jumble above Wisconsin. But Wisconsin shouldn't move down any more than 25. And and they're very fluid. I mean, last night at this time, uh, Wisconsin was 19th. 
in the country, which is still very impressive on the even national signing to have a top 20 class. And actually today they, they dropped despite not losing anybody because, A, they didn't sign anybody. Today they didn't make that big four-star or five-star splash, and the teams behind them did. Uh, you land a, you know, a four-star or five-star prospect, you jump uh, way up in the ranking. So, But still, number 25, the scouts been ranking classes since 2001, and their best before this year was 29th a couple years ago. So r- looks really good on paper. I think that this is a, a tremendous class that addresses a lot of needs, both immediate and long-term. You obviously have the splash names in this class, like a Garrett Rand and a Cole Van Lannan. Those names have been thrown around quite a bit over the last uh, 24 hours, 72 hours. Um, Sam Broner, the running back, Wisconsin loves their running backs. Uh, and Griffin Grady, uh, a four-star out of Dublin, Ohio. I know other sites have other people ranked four stars, but those are the four on scout that we have as four stars. And to me, the bread and butter of this class are the three-star players because that's what Wisconsin is. They're a developmental program. They bring in players, really work with them for a year, two years, and then you really see them blossom. And a lot of these guys are, are multi-sport athletes. Some of them play out of position in high school because they're the best player on their team, so they're naturally at quarterback or a, a different skill position to utilize their talents. You know, Some uh, linemen and tight ends play on both sides of the ball because they're that athletic, that talented. So that first year at Wisconsin is always the most critical because then you're focusing on one position and then you can really grow from there. And I have a story up on the site now, 100% free. All our stuff today was 100% free, uh, called Major, Major Evaluators. And the essence of the story is that Wisconsin this year did such a great job identifying under-the-radar talent early, recruiting that talent aggressively, getting a commitment from that from that talent, and then when that prospect blew up his senior year, all these other schools were like, who's this kid? And Wisconsin knew about him, had that connection, and so when all these other schools called in and said, hey, are you interested? I'll be the other all the kids said, no, no thanks. Um, you're too late to the party. I found my perfect spot. So 25 scholarship kids, 25th in the country. If I had to give it a letter grade, A through F, um, I don't do this very often, and I really think that this class is an A. It really is. I think that for the first year under Paul Crist, first full recruiting cycle, I should say, this was a tremendous job. Here with BadgerNation.com's Ben Wargle. Find him on Twitter, of course, at the Badger Nation. Here on our National Signing Day special, here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Ren College Pads. What player? And, and you know, we had we had a roundtable up on our on our site just talking about uh, just the players and was. But let me ask you a question on this. And obviously, they have 25 players. They had they had to address some needs uh, due to attrition uh, from seniors for the most part. Where do you, what position do you think they filled the need the best for? And maybe what's one that they didn't as well, or they didn't fulfill what they thought they could with this class. Well, without question, uh, secondary was critical in this class because not only do you lose off last year's team, you lose Tanner McAvoy, Michael Caputo, Darius Hillary, uh, 
you lost Devin Golden before the start of the season, TJ Renard, Terrence Floyd. I mean, that's a lot of players you lost off last year's roster. The year before the 2015 class, this program only signed one defensive back, and that was Titus Booker. So the numbers at Wisconsin were dwindling. And there were times late last year, talking to secondary coach Durante Jones today, that they were razor thin, that if they would have had one more injury, they would have been in really deep trouble, and they would have to have altered their game plan. It never got to that point, but they were close. So Wisconsin won this year knowing they wanted to sign six, three corners, three safeties, and they got that number. And I think a handful of these guys will have a chance to play right away, depending on how they develop in the summer and how they take to the playbook and, and perform in fall camp. But you got two Florida corners, and Kashawn Penniman and uh, Dante Carrier-Williams, two three-star kids that have a lot of swagger, a lot of confidence in their game, both under six foot, though, but good ball skills, a lot of talent. And you have a 6-1 corner in Caesar Williams out of Grand Prairie, Texas, with good length, good size, good speed, good recovery speed. If he makes a mistake, he is – speed and his talent allows him to catch up a little bit. Obviously that margin of error will be shrunk in the college game, but all three of these guys have tremendous confidence. The safety spot, you have Seth Kearns out of Pickerington, Ohio, a kid that has tremendous leadership and a competitive edge. You have two kids out of Maryland and Eric Burrell and Patrick Johnson. Both are very good friends. They're very good friends. They're very similar in the way they play, and also they're very different in the way they play, if that makes sense. They have a lot of the same characteristics, but Burrell is maybe a little bit stronger in run defense, while Johnson is a little bit better in just pass coverage, where you just let him drift, read a play, and make a play. And I think one of those two guys has a great chance to step in and contribute because the depth at safety just isn't there right now. It'll be really interesting to see in the spring what direction they decide to go. In terms of a weakness, where this where this uh, coaching staff fell short in addressing a need, Jake, it's really hard for me to pinpoint because they really hit every note on the keyboard. You know, six defensive backs, four linebackers, uh, three, four defensive ends. And I say that because some of these guys can, depending on when they get to campus and how the summer goes, they can move spots. Two offensive linemen, a tight end, three wide receivers, a quarterback, and a running back. They really hit every spot that they wanted to. If I had to pick one, I would probably say offensive line because they only took two guys and they were in on a handful of others. I mean, obviously you lose Ben Bredesen from Heartland Arrowhead. That stings a little bit, but it always seemed like he was he was wanting to go play out of state. And obviously with Michigan having a baseball team and his older brother Jack being on the baseball team, that gave them a big edge. But the depth on the offensive line is very young going into next season. I mean, look what Wisconsin went through this past year and the number of re- the redshirt freshmen that had to play. Now those guys are going to be a year older and just redshirt sophomores, so they have a lot of time ahead of them to really blossom and be a dominant unit that you almost didn't need to take more than two. And the two guys they took, you almost had to take them because of how good they are. And they're local kids. They land up in Green Bay, uh, Patrick Castle, in Forest Lake, about 30 minutes or so from Minneapolis. And other than that, maybe the wide receivers, because the three receivers that they have in Kendrick Pryor, A.J. Taylor, and Quintus Cephas are so raw to the wide receiver position that's 
either they don't have a lot of experience playing wide receiver or they were kind of split between positions. You know, like A.J. Taylor was a wide receiver, running back, and a wildcat quarterback doing all those different things. So they really didn't land that pure ready-made wide receiver. That would be the only really area that I would pinpoint to and say the staff missed on. Other than that, I think that they got everything they wanted to out of this class. We're here with BadgerNation.com's Ben Wargle here on Bucky's fifth quarter, the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Rent College Pads. It, yeah, I agree with you on that, and it's you know. We'll also, by the way, folks, we'll have some audio from secondary's coach Durante Jones talking about the secondary and the new pieces that he has to the puzzle, and had some interesting t- uh, discussions, like Ben had mentioned, about the depth of that. Where even he said that the numbers heading into the spring uh, are pretty light compared. I think he almost said halfway, uh, half of what they, they would like in that defensive secondary and that defensive backfield. Uh, so we'll play that a little later. To, and we'll also have, by the way, our conversation with punter Anthony Lati, uh, the out of Georgia, the West Hall, uh, soon-to-be grad, and had a discussion with him on Monday talking about uh, that cannon of a leg he has, uh, which is going to be impressive. And maybe that goes into my next question, Ben, when we talk about this class and, and the the kids, the commits that can make that instant impact. Uh, Lati's a great candidate, in my opinion, just because of how abysmal the punting game's been the past three seasons. Drew Meyer's now gone on. Uh, P.J. Rosowski and Connor Allen between them have one punt in their collegiate career, so that's that's wide open. But you also have uh, guys like uh, Garrett Rand, who Paul Christ even mentioned earlier today, talking about how he has this ability, the physical ability to, to possibly step in. Uh, who, in your opinion, has that the, the intangibles and maybe the even, I would say, with the depth or the, the opportunity at their position to really – step in, make a an early impact for the Badgers in 2016? Well, I'll go with the two safeties, like I mentioned, because, you know, like Durante Jones said to you and to me, that there's just not a lot of bodies there in the spring. And so there'll be opportunities in the fall to play. And when you take six defensive backs, it's almost like you're expecting one or two, maybe even more, to step in and contribute right away. So I think you're going to see uh, either Burrell or Johnson, maybe both this season. Uh, the punter, certainly Anthony, will be involved. And you know, I didn't think the punting game was all that bad last year. I, Drew Meyer, I think, won two Big Ten Player of the Week honors and was kicking the ball better towards the end of the year, which just goes to show how much Gary Anderson and Jeff Jennings screwed him up mentally uh, his sophomore and junior year. So I give credit to Drew for kind of bouncing back to a degree last year and having some really solid games late. But certainly you mentioned the punting game with only you know two walk-on punters with one career punt between them. I mean, Wisconsin is not going to use a, a scholarship on a punter if, you don't, if they don't expect him to come in right away and, and make an impact. And I, I will go with Garrett Rand. And, and the interesting thing about Wisconsin this year is Wisconsin didn't need Garrett Rand. They really don't, if you think about it, because look at the depth that the Badgers have on the line. Chikwe Obashi is just a junior still. Al James Jr., Connor Sheehy, is still very young. Arthur Goldberg is going to be a senior. Olivia Sangapulu with what he did as a true freshman – in the middle of the line, certainly gave them a lift. Um, I think we're still waiting for Jeremy Patterson to really step in to the fold. But to bring in Rand, who pound for pound might be the strongest defensive lineman on the West Coast, might be the strongest player on the West Coast, is tremendous. 
because you watch him play and you see the numbers that he puts up in the weight room, which are just ridiculous. I think like 500 pounds on the squat and just absurd numbers. And the weight room strength for a lot of players doesn't always carry through to the field, but it does for Rand. And you watch him take on double teams and you watch him engage and disengage on blocks. You watch him get into the backfield, open up alleys. He's a true stud at that spot. And it's a spot on the defensive line that doesn't generate a lot of attention because you're in the trenches, you're trying to grasp as many people as you can to open up alleys for the linebackers. And Rand makes that spot noticeable by his play, uh, both creating plays for others and for himself. And so I think that's why many fans were so much on edge over this last month not exactly knowing what he was going to do with the decision of Dave Rand to leave. He said at the Army All-American game that he's keeping a close eye on it, and obviously the, the, the hiring of Justin Wilcox went on much longer than expected. He took Rand took an official visit to UCLA a couple of weekends ago that hit panic mode for everybody. But Rand wants to be at Wisconsin. I, and I've said this throughout the entire process. Rand wanted to be at Wisconsin. And the only way he wasn't going to be at Wisconsin is if the Badgers gave him a reason not to be. Is if Wisconsin decided to go to a 4-3 defense, which doesn't really fit his scheme. Or they, the new defensive coordinator had a brain fart and said, no, we don't like you. Uh, go somewhere else. Shoo. That wasn't going to happen. And so Rand coming in now to this young line immediately makes them stronger. And it's going to give them an edge next season and what's going to be a very difficult 2016 season. So to add a player like that, huge. Huge for the line, huge for the defense. And with that, which player out of the out of this class, and obviously you have Rand, who is one of the top talents uh, in yeah, was a U.S. Army All-American Bowl participant, played many snaps. I think he, when I rewatched it, you're looking at almost every other defensive series he was in there. Uh, but you also have Cole Van Lannan, like you mentioned before, from Green Bay Bay Port out there, up the northeast of us here in, in the state. But which which player do you think makes the long-term impact? Who has the biggest impact in his four or five years at Wisconsin? That's a good question because it can be taken a lot of different ways. I mean, you can look at it as what player is going to take the longest to develop and be an impact player later in his career. You can look at who could have the most sustained success over a five-year career. Um, to me, and I don't know if this is answer your question or not, but I think the most talented player in this class isn't Cole Van Lannan. It's not Garrett Rand. It's Griffin Grady out of Dublin, Ohio, Kaufman High School. And he's just slightly ahead, of, for me, of, of, uh, of Garrett Rand. And I know Garrett Rand is ranked like 127th in the country and Cole Van Lannan's ranked 70th in the country and, and Griffin's not. But you watch him play. And he plays so smart and intelligent, and he takes up space. He's a great tackler. He's everything you want in a linebacker. And he's ranked the, in the top ten inside linebackers in the country. And Wisconsin likes him as an outside linebacker. That just shows the versatility that he has, that he can play either spot. And to have extra dimension in his game makes me believe that he could be a great player at Wisconsin. Now, you look at this unit right now for the Badgers, you have two inside linebackers who are sophomores in Chris Orr and TJ Edwards. 
you have Vince Beagle coming back for his senior year, and you have an opening at the other outside linebacker spot, which I think many people are assuming that Jack Stitchy can take because of the play that Stitchy did throughout the second half of the season once uh, injuries started to pile up a little bit and they needed to do some maneuvering with Chris Orr. So I'm really anxious to see what Griffin Grady can do when given the opportunity. Same with Noah Burks, same with Dallas Junty, who many people got to meet for the first time today. And it was fun watching and talking to people who talked to him for the first time and hearing what their interactions are. Because I've known Dallas for, for feels like ages. And he that's just the way he is. He generally loves the game of football. He loves being in Masson. He loves the opportunity to compete. So, I think any of those linebackers you can really look at and say that they could be a unit that can sustain some success for Wisconsin down the road. And real quick, I'll mention, too, that Jake Hescock, the tight end, who's from Massachusetts, played prep school in Connecticut, 6'7 frame, is tremendously gifted in a lot of areas, and not many people know about him because he plays at a smaller prep school in Connecticut, like I mentioned. He doesn't do a lot of pass routes in his offense. He's primarily a blocking tight end, but he's got all the intangibles to be a really good tight end at Wisconsin. And as we know at the position right now, Eric Steffes is going to be a redshirt senior. You know, Kyle Peston is going to be a redshirt freshman. Troy Fumagalli is going to be a redshirt junior. There's opportunities there. There's not a lot of depth at that position. So Hescock can come in, and when he grasps the playbook in a year, two years, um, David Edwards is another guy coming off a redshirt year, I should mention, that he can fit right in and be that next great tight end at Wisconsin. You know, Ben, it's also one thing, too, where you know, Hescock has that frame. He's 6'7", 240. And I was talking to Mickey Turner, the tight ends coach, about him and, and just saying it's he's got that body and, and also has uh, he's underrated when it comes to that, where he's been able to pick balls out of the air and, and still run you know, quite well for a, a gentleman who's that large and, and that tall uh, down the field for a touchdown. And maybe this will be my final question for you. And, it, you know, you mentioned Griffin Grady uh, over that. Is he your sleeper pick out of this? Uh, out of this class here, obviously you're looking at all this stuff. I'm, I'm looking maybe at Quintez Cephas uh, from out of Bacon, Georgia. He was a first-team All-State selection by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution this past year. And uh, obviously he's new to the game too, like you had mentioned, and he's very raw. Uh, but is he? would Griffin be your sleeper, or are you looking more like a guy like Cephas or – even like, uh, granted, he he's got the intangibles from a look like, but like a, an Isaiah Isaiah Loudermilk out of Howard, Can- Kansas, uh, or maybe even like a Caesar Williams, like you, uh, out of the corner, six one cornerback out of Texas. I think I picked Cephas uh, on Tuesday. I did a I did a big breakdown of all the, the the you know those questions for signing day. You know, most talented, biggest get, biggest loss. And Sleeper was one of them. I'm 95% sure I picked Quintez Cephas because he is a tremendous talent that nobody knew about when Ted Gilmore got his film emailed to him in May. That here's a kid that wanted to be a Division One basketball player. He wanted to play in the ACC for basketball. Had an opportunity at Clemson. Clemson then pulled that scholarship offer. He ended up committing to Furman for basketball. Wisconsin starts to really ramp up its recruitment of him in the fall. They got him up for an official visit in October, and he committed and had a tremendous senior season. I didn't look at what his final stats were, but I know at one point he had 
over 700 yards and 12 touchdowns, and he still had a handful of games to go. And with how well he played, he caught the attention finally of the Miami coaching staff and the Georgia coaching staff, and he said no to both schools. No one would have blamed Quintez for decommitting from Wisconsin and then committing to Georgia, the in-state school. No one would have blamed him. But he said no to the Bulldogs because Ted Gilmore had earned his trust. And that's what I meant earlier about being master evaluators because Ted Gilmore found this guy, built a relationship with him, told him exactly how he was going to make him better and stuck with him from beginning to end and not jump in on him at the 11th hour and throw a scholarship at him and say, hey, come play with us, be the in-state school. We really like you now. You want Recruits want to go to a place where they feel loved, they feel respected, and they feel that there's trust there. And that's what Quintez had with, with Ted Gilmore. And I really think that this kid has tremendous upside because he's only played football three years. He played football in ninth grade, uh, did not play in 10th grade, uh, 11th grade, he played football, but he was the team quarterback. And talking to his coach, it just wasn't the right fit. And so they moved at wide receiver, and he just took off. So, obviously, you watch his film uh, here on basketball or football. He's tremendously athletic. He's gifted. He's smart. He takes coaching really well. And I think that in the right system, he could really blossom into something pretty good for Wisconsin. Ben, it's great having you on. I'm gonna, I'll let you go, my friend. I know it's been a long day. It's been a long, not a couple of weeks. It's been, I mean, it's been a crazy month. Anytime this. It's been a long year up. with this class. <laughs> it always is. It always is. But it, you know, I, I tell you what, this is a big day for the kids. It, it and that's the most important thing that these kids they they hundreds hundreds of them across the country realize their dream day, not just in football, but in all the the fall sports. And it's fun for me, who having got to know a lot of these kids, some I've known for you know well over a year, some just for the last couple of weeks, to see their excitement on Twitter and social media when they're signing, that's fun. That's cool. And it's cool because, you know, you get to know them and you you feel good. You, you cheer for the kid because they're able to realize their goal. And so it was, a good day. it was a good day for us at Badger Nation. Got to a lot of great content up on the site. And we're anxious now to – kind of put a bow on this and start looking forward to 2017 when you know, a class that's going to probably be in the low to mid-20s, and they have already have a great start on it with Caden Lyles, four-star, uh, Kari's younger brother, already committed, and Aaron Vopel up in De Pere, who committed on uh, a week ago Monday already in the class. So good start for Wisconsin uh, in 2017. Ben, always great having you on. Go have yourself a drink, relax, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. That's the best news I've heard all day. We'll talk to you <laughs> soon, my friend. Got Thank you, Ben. Ben Wargo, BadgerNation.com. Follow him on Twitter, at TheBadgerNation. What we're going to do now is actually going to play the audio from our Monday conversation with Wisconsin commit punter Anthony Lati. Talk about just the process of, of being recruited, especially as a punter, which is interesting. And he's got a great story. We put it up, our story, on Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com, and and we have that up there. I'll, I'll re, uh, resend that link out there about his journey, uh, especially with the relationship with his father, which is really a, a great development, which is also his head coach. 
And so I'll put I'll uh, I'm up on my Twitter, which is at jcocoB5q. We'll I'll retweet that and and put that up uh, also on our Facebook page. But for now, here is Anthony Lati, my conversation with him from Monday here on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, and Bucky's Fifth Quarters National Signing Day Special Edition Radio Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Rent College Pads and a proud part of Bucky's Fifth Quarter. It is the National Signing Day podcast we have going on, and uh, there's a lot of talent with this class of 2016 and a lot of possibilities for this class in terms of you're looking some instant impact possibly at cornerback. You're looking possibly can, can some of the offensive linemen uh, seep into that too deep of the Badgers under the tutelage of Joe Rudolph, but also you're looking at the fact of having and special teams is always a key factor, that third segment of football, which makes a huge difference. Departing is punter Drew Meyer, and that leaves open a spot. You have P.J. Rosowski, uh, who will make uh, who'll be coming back, but you also have coming in, and you'll see him sign his national letter of intent on Wednesday, because we are right now recording this on Monday, we have Georgia punter Anthony, and now just making sure it's Lottie, correct? Yes, sir. Excellent. And uh, we got Anthony Lottie on the show. And first off, Anthony, what, uh, any any excitement or any emotion, nervousness, uh, what, what's going through you right now a couple of days before National Signing Day? Right now I'm just excited to sign that piece of paper Wednesday morning and be officially committed to the Wisconsin Badgers. Now, let's talk about that in terms of how, how this came to be with, with the learning of you know, basically communication with Wisconsin, the coaching staff. When did you start first receiving uh, word from Wisconsin that they were interested? Oh, my first, uh, I got DMs on Twitter from Taylor Melhap, one of their kick, uh, kicking coaches. And we was we were tweeting back and forth and – I ended up going to their specialist camp over the summer between my junior and senior year. And I really did good at that camp, and they offered me there, and I committed soon after that. And, and with that, uh, what was that, that camp? And, and what, what type of skills and what type of drills did they have you go through? Um, There wasn't really much of a teaching segment there. It was just everyone showing their skills. There was a good amount of people there, so I got to see how I compared to everyone else there. And it started off just a charting session, hitting five balls and going from best of the, uh, best of there. And then we went into a tournament session where we all had seeds, and I ended up being the second seed and um, just went back and forth, and I ended up winning that tournament. And with that, uh, we're here with Anthony Lottie. Uh punter uh, for in, from Georgia and uh, signed the National Letter of Intent with the Wisconsin Badgers on Wednesday here on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. And after that uh, that camp, uh, from what I've read up, that's when the offer was made after the camp. Uh, what were the emotions getting that offer? Was that your first offer? And, and what were the emotions that you had going uh, leaving that camp with that offer? It was my third offer. I had an offer from the Air Force Academy and then Boston College and then uh, Wisconsin came. And I got really excited about Wisconsin. Um, I've always enjoyed watching Wisconsin and the players they put out. 
and they just seem like a team that really enjoys to play like as a team, and they really enjoy being around each other. And I wanted to be a part of that. And and with that, uh, how, it was only, from what if I'm not mistaken, it only took you maybe a couple days to commit after that offer. What was the timeline, and then who did you call up to to verbally commit? Um, it was I think it was somewhere around the week after because I went to the beach with my family, and that's when we really talked about where I wanted to go. And that's when I figured it out. And um, I called Coach Herring to tell him that I'd like to commit. And and what did the coaches tell you out of that? What did they, uh, along with Coach Herring, what were the, what did they say about the, the commitment? Obviously, they had to have been excited. And, uh, and, and did you get a chance to talk to Coach Chris at all uh, after you committed? Uh, yes, sir. It actually surprised me how exciting they were. Uh, excited they were to hear me say I was committed. Um, I, it actually like surprised me a lot. And then he decided he gave Coach Chris my phone number, and I got on the phone after that, and I actually got to talk to him for a little bit. So it was really cool. We're here with Anthony Lottie uh, from Georgia. Uh, great punter from there uh, and, and forgot to mention as well two-time uh, first team all-state selection um, by the atlanta journal constitution a great punter you you punted in the uh college all-star or not the high school all-star game if i'm not mistaken as well uh how let me ask you real quick how was that experience uh, going up against the i believe it was other fellow seniors in georgia correct yes sir we got to play in the georgia dome where the atlanta falcons played that was a great experience um, I absolutely loved got to getting to kick in the dome, no wind, and it just went great. And with that, what did the coaches tell you in terms of what to expect when you get to Wisconsin during the summer and, and heading into fall in terms of the competition between, uh, you know, to, to be the starting punter uh, for the Badgers? Um, well, I'm going there and they're expecting to compete for the starting job. Um, right now I'm just getting ready to compete for that because I know nothing's going to be handed to me, so I'm just trying to get ready for that competition. And what are the expectations that, that you have for yourself uh, when, right out of the gate when you get to UW? Um, I expect me to work hard enough to earn that starting job and then help my team win, just put them in, in the position to win games. And uh, with that, uh, what did uh, – in terms of after you committed to Wisconsin, um, a lot of interest seemed to start swelling up uh, as well. Uh, what other schools did you see uh, start pursuing you or get letters from? Uh, and and how did uh, how does that play? Obviously, being you committed early in earlier in the summer uh, with that exposure, how did you feel uh, getting that extra exposure from from other programs too? Um, it was a neat experience. Uh, the teams that tried to get me came in late and I wasn't going to flip because I've already established a connection with the coaches and I've already got to know everyone that's pretty much on the team. So I, there's really no way I'd be able to flip. Yeah. And, and I guess how much did it mean when Wisconsin started recruiting you early on? And uh, I guess, let me ask too, like uh, you mentioned with, uh, you know, uh, coach Taylor Melhoff, uh, what did he? Uh, how how early was it when he when he first started messaging you? I think it was right after my junior season ended, and I was really blessed to be able to actually be recruited by teams because not very many special teams 
uh, players get offered full rides. That's usually just a preferred walk-on or something like that. So that was really amazing that I was able to get one of those. We're here with Anthony Lottie, uh, Georgia punter here on the Bucky's fifth quarter, the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. And what's going to happen uh, on, on Wednesday? What are you? What are your plans in terms of uh, anything going on for the high school? Uh, any big celebra- uh, Any big signing celebration between you and other teammates? Uh, what's the plan for you on National Signing Day? Well, we're starting off at eight twenty Wednesday morning. Me and two of my friends that are on the football team are signing at the school, and then I'll leave from there and go to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta and do another signing thing there, and then I'll head back to Hall County to do a presentation at uh, Long Street Cafe, and then I think I should be done after that, unless I had, there's another thing at Stars and Strikes that I sh- should probably be going to. It's really oh. going to be a crazy day. Sounds like a very busy day for you, and... You know, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Now, if I'm not mistaken, too, just for our, our listeners here who may not be, uh, who may not know a little bit of your backstory, if I'm not mistaken, your father is also your head coach, correct? Yes, sir. And, and how is it? Uh, what What did you see out of him, and how much did you lean on him for for experience uh, and for guidance in, in this? Uh, obviously, recruiting is a, a huge world, I'll say, and, and it's a obviously you're trying to continue not just your football career, but your uh, being a student athlete. What how much did you lean on, on your father for guidance during this time? Honestly, it was great to have him as my head coach and my dad because he's been training me kicking ever since I could remember. Like, I started football when I was five, and I think I started punting when I was five, and he's always been the one to train me. And it's just great to have someone in this recruiting process that knows what he's doing and is also at my house, and I can talk to him whenever I need to. And... Anthony, uh, just want to thank you again for your time here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, and uh, don't don't get too crazy on, on National Science Day in terms of all the science. Or just, uh, take it easy and enjoy the process, and thanks again for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Guys, that's Anthony Lottie, future Wisconsin Badgers punter, signing his national letter of intent on Wednesday. More from the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Rent College Pads. A proud part of Bucky's fifth quarter in just a second. Everybody, welcome back. Thanks again for listening. That was, of course, now signed his national letter of intent. That is Georgia punter Anthony Lati. Big thanks to him and also to his father, Tony, for talking with me earlier this week. It was great discussing both of their stories, uh, particularly Anthony's. And we'd also like to thank our presenting sponsor, Rent College Pads, for their support of the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, proud part of Bucky's fifth quarter. Finding off-campus housing has always been a chore until now. Browse tons of properties on Rent College Pads today. They have all the best apartments and houses around campus and in Madison. Find your next place on Rent College Pads today. And uh, some of those players may actually have to uh, – definitely I would probably suggest them to actually look at rent college pads for their future living if they don't live in the dorms. Uh, and uh, it's a great tool uh, also not just in Madison but Milwaukee as well. So let's talk real quick. We got uh, Coming up, I'm, all I'm going to do is we have, we have some conversations we'll have uh, with – 
We have some audio from Wisconsin assistant coaches. I want to play the conversation I had with Durante Jones, the secondaries coach. I also want to play uh, at the end of the end of this. We'll talk, uh, not necessarily talk, but we'll play head coach Paul Christ's press conference and, and kind of discuss more about what he thought with this class uh, and, and had some personality today and, and discussed how this class uh, could be impact, how it could impact the team going forward, especially some particulars uh, when it comes to Cole Van Lannan. Uh, even discussed Isaiah Loudermilk and just the intangibles that he has, even though Loudermilk played eight-man football. And and, and so we'll, we'll play that one a little later. And just to give some thoughts uh, on this, and like I said, go to Bucky's fifth quarter. You'll see our roundtables. We're getting our second one up and running. Uh, either later tonight, early tomorrow, we'll have that. Uh, this class, and it's one thing, too, and, and Ben mentioned this could be one of the best that they've had. And obviously, right now, they're coming in number 25 at scout.com. Others, uh, earlier in the day, you're looking at, uh, for for 24-7 sports, you're, it was, I believe, 31st. That may have changed. I'm actually looking up now. Uh, and when you had uh, the uh, basically the, the the look at it, you had with rivals they were 33rd, uh, which is I mean, like I said, every recruiting service is different. But it's uh, yeah, they are still number 33 uh, overall, uh, just below Arkansas actually. Uh, so this uh, it, it this class is they. It's a really good class, and it's obviously everyone the, the big question mark a lot of people had with Paul Christ possibly, and just some of the staff that he coordinated was really could he recruit? And everyone got excited when you saw Gary Anderson in the past have that uh, intangible to, to to get a certain player that maybe Wisconsin couldn't have or didn't recruit before. And look at it now, and you saw some of the byproduct of that, where obviously uh, Gary Anderson's a good coach, but just the philosophy and the system and, and certain things when it came to his recruiting philosophy didn't mesh with what, what was going on with Wisconsin. Uh, but right now, you're, you're looking at what Chris has done, assemble the staff, really, to sell not just uh, the football team, which, you know, 10 wins is a major accomplishment, uh, this, yeah, obviously, it wasn't the hardest of schedules this year, but still, 10 wins. But on top of that, selling players on the university, uh, being a student-athlete, uh, but also uh, the, the community, uh, the family aspect of Wisconsin, uh, just the, the philosophy of the program. And even when Dave Aranda left to go to LSU, the only decommit came from Antonio Williams, and that was during the season. So you don't Actually, the, the defensive players, which is, I think is quite impressive, all stuck together and they're sold on the program. They were sold on what Chris and, and, and outside linebackers coach Tim Tibisar and uh, Durante Jones and Hinoki Brechterfield, the defensive line coach, what uh, what they sold on the program and, and what could what they could bring. And it's very impressive to see this class stay together and be so cohesive and and you'll hear from Paul Gris saying these players are the right fit the right fit for this program and you know it kind of rings true just despite a defensive coordinator leaving for LSU and, and 
deservedly so for what Aranda's done at Wisconsin in a short time in three seasons. Uh, you have Justin Wilcox come in. We'll play that audio actually tomorrow during our regular show on the Kilbasa Kings. You have this ability that with uh, that this it's a very impressive class that uh, could. I mean, with the development that Wisconsin is, Wisconsin's that development type program, uh, and it'll churn out players that'll make it to the NFL uh, and also be successful collegiately. This class, uh, Sky, could be the limit for them. Uh, and I'm really intrigued to see how these players go. And right now, by the way, 24-7 Sports ranks Wisconsin as number 32 in the nation, right behind Mississippi State uh, and in front of Duke. On that note, with everything that's been going on with, with the National Signing Day with the crews, I want to give a big shout-out to everyone at Bucky's Fifth Quarter, from our site manager, Mike Fiametta, to our SB Nation college managers with uh, Luke Zimmerman and especially Matt Brown, for helping us out today uh, in terms of publishing some of the articles that we couldn't get to in between my, my day career, uh, which puts the, I'll be honest, puts the food on the table for us uh, there. So, uh, But also a big thanks to our writers from Owen Reese, Andrew Rosin, Drew, ha- Drew Ham, uh, Kurt Hogue, you have Kevin O'Connell, Zach Sinekin, uh, many, many others uh, that, have, that have worked for Bucky's fifth quarter during National Signing Day. It's uh, Maxwell Broski from Buck Around. Those guys really helped set the tone for us uh, when it came to pre-writing profiles, getting content that you, the viewers, read. And obviously it's been one of our biggest days of the year already. Obviously it's only the 3rd of February. But really National Signing Day is, is one of the biggest days of the year for for not just Bucky's fifth quarter, but other SB Nation sites that cover college athletics. Uh, but you have, I'm trying to name anybody else here. I think we got everybody that did the uh, yeah. Owen Reese, Maxwell Brusky, Kevin O'Connell, Zach Sinekin, uh, Mike Fiametta, our, man, our site manager, uh, you know, Drew Ham, uh, Kurt Hogue, uh, everyone at Bucky's fifth quarter too, and Andrew Rosen putting together some great recaps. Uh, it's it's really been uh, a group effort for what we do, and and we want to deliver to you the fans the the best coverage we can. Uh, and thank you guys. And, and from what it looks like based off of some of our page view numbers, uh, it's been, you guys have tuned in a lot. So thank you guys definitely for that. Uh, on that note, uh, my quick views too, along with just the general thoughts uh, from the questions I had asked. Ben Wargo earlier in the podcast. Let me give you my thoughts in terms of the sleeper of the class. I, I often agree. I think it's Quintez Cephas. I think this guy could be the, as I'll say before, sky's the limit. I think he has the potential um, based off of what Ted Gilmore, the wide receivers coach, saw and also what others have seen, uh, him being an all-state selection in Georgia could really develop into being that that the big time receiver and then AJ Taylor uh, pairing up with those two and, and just the progression for the wide receivers coming forward in the next couple of years underneath Gilmore could be significant. And, and that pro style passing game uh, could really be elevated with Cephas being that uh, type of catch uh, that receiver having, having the skill set that he has when it comes to making the earliest impact, it has to be for me, Lati. Yeah, maybe the easy way out, but you look at the fact of Meyer being out, 
uh, his exhausting his eligibility. But then you have P.J. Rosowski and Connor Allen, both are walk walk-ons. One punt between them. You look at the fact that Lati has that opportunity. He's got the leg to do it. And like Ben said, you don't spend a scholarship on a, on a kid that you don't expect to start. Uh, and you heard from Anthony Lati earlier. I mean, he expects going in there to work to earn that spot, and nothing's going to be handed to him. I think he'll make the earliest impact. And obviously, everyone knows the third phase of the game and special teams is such a huge facet to football. And and you look at some of his stats. 43.8 net yards uh, per punt, which is uh, lights out. 45 yards per punt, uh, and, and just the way that he was able to uh, just kick and directionalize the punts. Uh, you take a look at some of his, uh, his huddle profile. He'll make, I think, the earliest impact, uh, along with some of the guys in the secondary, like uh, Eric Burrell. Uh, you look at possibly Kashawn Penniman and, and Caesar Williams and, and Dante Carrier Williams. Those those players too, obviously with uh, the secondary numbers being low, could definitely see playing time in the two deep or or definitely special teams if if needed. Um, but I would say you know long term impact, really, really. I mean I'm looking at. Long-term impact, I mean, I think Cole Van Lannan's got that opportunity. I think A.J. Taylor, I mean, and he's even a guy that could make an earlier impact. You'll hear from Ted Gilmore talking about he's got the intelligence, he's got everything, and he has his head, mind mind right and has those athletic abilities to uh, really showcase what he can do early. Uh, you're looking at him, I think, could make a, a really long-term impact. And and he turned heads at the Semper Fidelis All-American Bowl back in early January. Uh, as a running back, uh, but we'll see wh- how they use him in Paul Chris's offense, and, and, and you'll hear what Ted Gilmore has to say about that. Uh, and this class just has a, a lot of potential, and we'll see how it goes. Um, on that note, I will stop jibber-jabbering, uh, as they say, and what I'll do, uh, we got about 10 minutes left in this hour-long podcast, you know, uh, and, and for just FYI, listen after the show, because... Uh, or I would say, listen, after 9.30, we'll probably go an extra 10 or 15 minutes. You won't hear it live. Check in on the podcast down the road, uh, down the road in the next, I'd say, 15 minutes after the show because we'll, we have about five minutes with Durante Jones. We have about five minutes uh, with Ted Gilmore. But then I'll play the Paul Christ press conference in its entirety at the end as a bonus clip and we'll go from there. So I'll stop talking. What we'll do right now, secondaries coach, Durante Jones, playing that audio, discussing what some of his recruits uh, and the potential that they have and the skill sets that they bring to his secondary and what they can do. And you'll, you'll hear it from him, ball hawks, and, and they're trying to create more turnovers. I thought that was very interesting. Let's listen in now here on Bucky's fifth quarter. Durante Jones, secondaries coach for the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, we're here with secondaries coach Durante Jones. And uh, let me ask you, first off, how many frequent flyer miles did you actually give me? Have you had seen your statement yet, or is it still kind of... I hope a lot. <laughs> Hopefully take a vacation sometime. I hope soon. a lot. There's some miles coming. How, in terms of just the past month, or even after this rapid season, how busy have you been? Have you had a chance to actually stay at home? No, I, I may have spent... Uh, three nights at home 
Um, literally three, <laughs> and maybe over guessing one. But no, it was good. You know, you kind of knew your pattern. You, the guys you had to go see, and the guys you had to spend time with, and you know, try to secure and lock up, and you know, we needed for the program. So. And when after. Dave Aranda left to LSU. What uh, you guys are getting on the road? What was some of the message that you guys were talking to the recruits about? And, and, um, well, the, well, the biggest thing for the defensive backs was the need was still there, yeah. right? So when you're looking at it in terms of uh, whether Aranda was here or not, we only had four corners on the roster, yeah. right? So <laughs> that didn't change. You know, we only have uh, you know four safeties. Uh, on the roster, so that didn't change, you know, so you're talking about eight DBs, and the ideal number for a defensive back group in the college is around 17 and 19, right, so we're half short, so because that need didn't change, whether it's scheme, like I told the guys, it doesn't really matter what scheme you're in, you're going to have to cover, so, right, so uh, that was that was good for them to hear, and they, were, they felt good about that. And, and with that, you have the, the defensive backs coming in. You have at least three cornerbacks coming in. What, what can? You, uh, what, what did you like about their skill sets heading in? And you know, every, they, they, they each brought something different to the table uh, in terms of the corners, the three corners you're talking about with uh, Dante. You're talking about Caesar. You're talking about Keyshawn, right? They all bring something different to the table. Uh, one's an outside guy. One's a inside guy who can play outside. And one's an outside guy who can play inside. You know, you're talking about a guy who has the ability to come off the edge and Keyshawn as a nickel person possibly. Um, you're talking about a long corner who can run an athletic and Caesar. You're talking about a quick twitch guy and Dante, you know. So they all bring something different to the table, but they all share one common thing, and they're, they're ball hawks. You know, they can judge the ball in the air. They have great ball skills, and they can do things after the catch. So um, that's where they all have something in common. And with safety, too, you have Eric Burrell, Patrick Johnson, Seth, yeah, Seth, Seth Again, the same thing, right? They're all, three of them all different, but they all bring the same skill set, which is ball skills. And, you know, you've been following us for a while, and we need more turnovers and more interceptions, right? So you want guys that can track and locate the ball, and those guys can do that. So we're excited about that in terms of the savviness that Burrell brings, the uh, ball hawking athleticism that uh, Patrick brings, um, and they're both, right? They're both five receivers and DBs. Um, and then Seth brings that kind of a blend, right? It's more of a the height of a tanner with, uh, you would hope, the smarts of a eventually a Caputo, you know, and, and uh, not comparing them, by, <laughs> right. by not comparing them, but just in terms of his savviness a little bit, and just being a good football player. And for his team, they use him everywhere, safety quarterback, tight end receiver, wherever, so... And, and with the, how hard how hard is the transition? Obviously, coming into like summer camp and then trying to compete for, for playing time between. You know what? It, it, it's different. It's different. You talking about the incoming guys? Yeah. So it's a little different nowadays. You know, with all the uh, we do voiceovers here, so they sign. They get their, You know, they sign today, and once they graduate, we can start just shooting them. But they'll be here in June. You know, so you get them in June, so that fall camp isn't the first time they're hearing. An insult, <laughs> you know. They're getting it in June, so it's it's pretty it's pretty uh, fast paced for those guys, and they're they're excited. They're excited. That was secondary's coach, secondary coach, Durante Jones, uh, and uh, always fun talking with him, and very in- intriguing to see how this class of defensive backs uh, work and and how they 
uh, they'll feed off each other and where, where they'll play within Justin Wilcox's 3-4 scheme. And obviously, they'll, I'm sure there'll be personnel sub-packages uh, that cater to each uh, each player uh, in, in different positions as well. And we'll play that interview with Justin Wilcox tomorrow on the main show as we're running out of time here. As we about ready to go, we'll have uh, this little leak over. just want to thank you guys. Um, you'll hear most of this interview. It's about a five-minute interview with Ted Gilmore, wide receivers coach. Uh, but, uh, you know, stick with us. You'll hear the first, uh, you know, three minutes, 45 seconds of it. Uh, a lot of interesting things. And then check back in with the podcast t- t- later tonight or early tomorrow here on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching uh, uh, or in terms of just uh, not watching, viewing our website here on Bucky's fifth quarter. Really appreciate you guys checking it out. It's been one of our best days out there. We thank you all for checking out the website. Big thanks to Ben Wargle, badgernation.com for stepping with us, uh, stepping on uh, the show with us for the first 25 minutes. Here is wide receivers coach, Ted Gilmore. Dozo Bacenia, my friends. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. More from the Kielbasa King sports extravaganza brought to you by rent college pads and a proud member of Bucky's fifth quarter. Uh, we're here with the wide receivers coach, uh, Ted Gilmore, and coach. Uh, you had a couple of great, looks like promising players, obviously, uh, at the wide receivers position. Uh, what, let's talk with uh, AJ Taylor first. What do you, what did you see out of AJ when you started recruiting him mm-hmm. uh, in terms of his skill set and, and possible uses within this Wisconsin offense? Sure. Uh, he's he's a young man that uh, possesses a, a lot of abilities. I mean, he can. Uh, do a lot of things for you, you know, whether that's as a returner, whether that's as a running back, whether it's as a receiver. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, is really good with the ball in his hand. Um, very intelligent young man on the field, off the field. Uh, I mean, he gets it, you know, he sees the big picture. Uh, you know, so in saying that, I think that will uh, give him a chance to play as a freshman. Uh, you know, not, I'm telling all those kids to come in with that mindset, ready to compete, and you'll know. You'll know if you're ready. But he's one in particular, I think, can handle the mental piece of it. And physically, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. And where, where do you see him within the offense in terms of more slot? Is he, you know, does he even maybe have a chance to play, get some... Uh, maybe carries as well, being a high school running back. Where do you envision him? Well, I, I think he can play on the outside lane as well as in the slot. You know, I, I think that I really do feel that way. Obviously, our, I, where the running back piece is concerned, I told Coach Settle to stay away. <laughs> I made that very clear. Uh, but, uh, you know, in, in all seriousness, he, I think he can do on multiple things. If, if you wanted to line him up back there and create a matchup, you can do that with him, and he can handle it. And, you know, we have uh, Quintez coming out of Georgia, and obviously he was the first team All-State you know, this season. Uh, what did you see on film early on, and, and how did you first catch notice of him in Georgia? Well, um, it, it was back in May. Uh, I was in the, in the office, you know, you know from the weekend from spring recruiting and going through some of my emails and, and his emails from his coach and I you know took the time to look at it and that caught my interest then you know so obviously it was a process of tracking him from that point on through the season uh, and the things I saw I saw a kid that had a lot of athletic ability you know and, and as I dug more into it um, 
you know, obviously at that time I had no idea he was a heck of a basketball player. Uh, and got a chance to watch film on that, and, and you see that same athleticism. You know, it's like, wow, he got some, and, and we trust our evaluation. And obviously I was able to withstand the, the late push, and, you know, so that validated what we saw, you know, that, uh, you know, and thank goodness obviously we was in early, had a good relationship, and was able to weather the storm. In addition to Quintez and Isaiah, were there anyone else you were kind of the, the pinpoint recruiting guy on? Uh, when you say pinpoint, were you the, the lead contact guy? Uh, you had Caesar Williams. Yeah, Caesar Williams, that's yeah. right. Um, gosh, we talked to so many kids. Who else did we find? <laughs> um, obviously, you had uh, Caesar, you had Isaiah, you have uh, Quintez, and I'm missing one. Who am I missing? AJ Taylor? Yeah. yeah. I want to ask you about about Caesar. Um, what did you like about him when you started looking at him? And I know you brought him up here for a visit, and he seemed to really like the fit here. When you watched him on on film, you got to meet him. What kind of popped to you that this guy would, was going to work here? I know he's big yeah, and, right. and rangy. Well, I, I think with all the kids in this class, what you're going to see is good athletes. You know, and that, that's what stood out. I mean, guys that can do a lot of different things and you have a lot of flexibility, you know, so that in itself stood out. And, and besides being, uh, you know, being you know, smart, tough, and dependable. I mean, I know we're throwing that around a lot, but uh, those those qualities, uh, they showed up. Have you ever recruited an eight-man football player before? I have. Okay. I have, you know, my time in... in uh, in Nebraska, my time in Laramie, Wyoming. You know, uh, but uh, you know that's, that's just three. You know, minus three guys you got to worry about. But his athleticism <laughs> still shows up. I mean, you 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 see that. I mean, you know, you, you know, no one can deny that. Uh, that you got a big kid that's uh, very well coordinated and. and um, uh, that's like I told in the process. Don't don't let anyone tell you this because eight man football that you don't belong. You belong. You know when you see how this big young man and how well he moves around. Uh, we're very very excited about it. All right, guys, finishing up the podcast. We're going to play Paul Chris' press conference entire in its entirety. Thank you guys again for listening. Uh, the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Uh, brought And also our proud sponsor, Rent College Pads. Make sure you guys check out Rent College Pads. Uh, for all your needs around, uh, for all your housing needs in the Madison, Wisconsin, the UW-Madison area, here is Paul Christ and the National Signing Day press conference. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you tomorrow on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Thank everyone for coming out today. Uh, we will start with Coach Christ and then have the assistant coaches once he is finished, and then we will have the two early enrollees here as well. So, with that, I will turn it over to Coach Christ for some opening comments. Well, today's a uh, it's a really good day for us in our program, and uh, you know, it's a culmination of, of a lot of work, and uh, and the recruiting process is a fun process. And, and certainly feel better uh, having been able to recruit this class for a full year, and, and you truly get to know them. And, and I think one of the common threads amongst the whole group 
as varied as their backgrounds are and positions and, and where they come from is really I'm confident that each individual is a great fit for Wisconsin and and that's that's fun to see and, and I think that they picked Wisconsin for a number of reasons and I think they saw Wisconsin for what we want them to see and it's, it's been a chance to be a part of a, a great program and football is certainly a big component but uh, value and, and want to get an education and earn a meaningful degree from here and uh, get to do it in a, in a great city and in a great state. You know, I think that the, this group is a great fit and uh, you know, time will tell and they'll get their opportunity to leave their, their mark, you know, certainly as a class and individuals. But uh, it, it's, a, it's an exciting day for us um, and love the, the, the group that we added, and I think we were able to, there's a big class, we were able to add a, a number of different uh, positions, really every position we were able to cover, and, and certainly a lot of them more than one. And yet I think the thing that gets lost in today, um, there's so much focus on maybe where you're ranked or what's this going to do for your program. The thing that gets lost, and I think that we try to make sure we celebrate with these young men and their families. This is a big day for these kids. And uh, it was fun talking to uh, them today. And really the day's building up. It's, uh, you know, not every kid has the opportunity to play in college and, and to be able to, you know, earn a scholarship and, and to play in the Big Ten and, and to do it here at Wisconsin. It's, a, it's an exciting day for these kids. And, you know, had a had a really neat email sent by one of the, parents and and you got a, a sense of what this day means for them and and how grateful they are of the opportunity and uh, how confident they are of of this being a, the right fit and, and that it was good it was good to read and and it was uh, good to kind of put the focus back on what it should be and that's a big day for these kids and yet we're excited certainly as, as a program microphones on each side of the room Well, you mentioned the the number of positions you addressed, and I think Durante Jones was talking earlier during the presentation about getting back out to the east a little bit. He said you made that a priority. Why is that, and what kind of um, success do you think you can have long-term back on the east? You know, I think that um, having had the opportunity to be here for a number of years, and and I think all of recruiting starts with what's a good fit. and. And then you also look at the areas that, that were productive for you. And, and I remember doing a, a study. It was one of my last years uh, here as an offense coordinator. And, and the number of players that we had from out east uh, that came was significant, but the percentage of those that were very good players. And, and it doesn't mean just because they're from the east coast they're going to be a great player here, right? But, uh, you know, for a long time, and even if you just look at the general student population, here, you know, kids will travel from out east to come to Wisconsin. It's been for a long time, and so I think it fits. Um, you're going out there. You know, we've had a couple where the neighbors. You know, my neighbor went there. You know, just I had my Wisconsin T-shirt on, and, and you know, a teacher in school or a neighbor. You know, so it's talked about. But I think uh, the ability for us to get back out and 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 really be out east, I think, is important for us long term. You know, that's going to be one of those areas that. You certainly 
have your in-state, and that's first and foremost. And then you look at probably the, those areas in the Big Ten f footprint, and uh, and then those that have been good for us in the past. Now that doesn't guarantee anything, but it's a it's a great starting point. And another thing I think we were able to do this year was take advantage of some of the uh, relationships that our coaches had. Uh, you know, we're out in Arizona because. Gray's dad and mom went to the university, and, and that also led us to Garrett Rand and, and Garrett's mom's from Wisconsin. So you, you know, if you can go out of state and find a connection to Wisconsin, it's important. But getting out east is important to us. Jessica, well, you didn't have any major surprises on, on signing day. Uh, everybody that said they were coming came and didn't lose anybody after Dave left as well. What do you think it says about? you and your staff's ability to recruit, uh, especially in this first full year that you've had that everybody's been state. I think the the right answer to that, it goes back a little bit further what I was talking about with FIT, and, and I think what these kids, parents, what they why they picked Wisconsin. And so certainly the football, it starts the relationship. You know, we're football coaches recruiting their football players. But in the end, I think kids are picking – Wisconsin, and we want them to pick Wisconsin because of that and so many more reasons. And I also think, you know, it's a group of, of guys that we're targeting that um, that have the, the character that when they say something, that's what they're going to do. And it's not that they didn't have a lot of options, but it wasn't a, a group that we sensed that there would be a lot of drama at the end, certainly. And, and you still are appreciative, and there were no surprises today. Um, but I think it's because of who they are as much as anything, and, and I think why they picked Wisconsin to begin with. Okay. In, a, in a program that has a tradition of offensive line success, what does a guy like Cole Van Lannan bring? Cole's a, uh, he's a heck of a prospect, and we're really glad that he's come from a recruit to being in our family. And he's a, you know, he has size, he's got athletic ability, he's explosive. Uh, he really has everything that you want in a young offensive lineman. And, and the thing that I really enjoy is you get to know him. He, he's got an edge to him. He, he wants to be great, and he will work, and he's got a comes from a great family, and, and uh, so he's got support. But he's, uh, I think he's got a chance to be special. Right. With the two early enrollees with Kare and Dallas, how important is that to get them on campus right away and get them just accustomed to what college life is like? You know, and we've had them now for a number of years with the early enrollees, and, and I think that it's, uh, I think it's a it's a bonus. But I think it's only right if it's if it's good for those those people. I don't think there's any magical about enrolling early. It wasn't like we targeted those two and said, all right, Cray Dallas, you need to come early for these reasons. But it it fit for them. It was the best, uh, you know, choice for them, and, and we're glad to have them. And it's It'll, and the thing I think with, with both those two, and, and you'll see those who haven't, you know, you get a chance to meet them and, and talk to them. Correa and Dallas were two of our leaders in this group. You know, Correa committed pretty early, and uh, Dallas might have the, the most. He is the one that connects everyone. He's a, he's an unbelievable person, and, uh, and all the players know him and talk to him and, and uh, love him. He's got a little bit of the heartbeat with this class, and so... We've got two of the guys that are really maybe early, you'd say, leaders in the class. And them being here and getting adjusted, I think, will help 
when the rest of the class comes in in June, and, and they'll they'll know the ropes a little bit. They'll be able to help show them. So it's not that we planned it that way, but I think that's a residual benefit. And, and you're gonna you're gonna meet them, and you are really gonna like those two young men. They're uh, they're big time people. Jason, well, you were able to get a commitment from Stan Brodner pretty late in the process after uh, he had another commit. Uh, or decommit a few months ago uh, at the same position. Uh, are you comfortable with the future at the running back position right now once Corey and Dare leave? Yeah, and I think you're always, you know, that's one of the things I think we've done, I can say this, I've, I've been here for a while, we've done well is, is getting players that uh, want to be here and, and developing them. And, you know, Sam was a guy that we had in camp, and, and later in time we were talking about whether we take him as a linebacker, we take him as a running back. And uh, I think there's a guy that loves football, um, and I think that you know every position is going to have attrition right through graduation, and and our job is is to help develop these kids, and and it's not to say that you know you're going and we've already started working on heck we've been working on last the next year's class already, but uh, I like the group that we got, I like who we added with Sam, and. Uh, and then it's, you know, the next thing we get to do is go work with those guys on the field. I'm looking forward to that. With Isaiah Loudermilk from playing eight-man football in Kansas, what's the difference in assessing or figuring out if a kid can play at this level when you're playing eight-man football? Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty neat to see. And uh, and going there, and, and, and I think Isaiah, there are, when you're looking at the film and evaluating it, there are some things that jump out, size in Isaiah jumps out, his athleticism, uh, the way that he can, you know, there's, I remember seeing a couple clips of just a big guy with balance and body control. And so it didn't matter whether there was eight or 11. You know what's interesting? I've been around and recruited some in the eight-man football, none at the skill position. You know, and I think maybe that's where it might be a little bit different. But as far as linemen, you know, I think that there's more than enough where you get an accurate evaluation. And then you know, as you get to know him and, and you, you see, I think he's a young, uh, exciting prospect. He's he's a puppy, and he's just going to grow. And, and, you know, their weight room is neat. Coach is a great guy, and they're doing a heck of a job in their program. And they were kind of embarrassed. I said, okay, let's go see the weight room. And, and it truly was the closet off of the – the gym, you know, but they had it all in there, and the kids used it, and, and so they were proud of that, and, and yet I think that once Isaiah gets here and stops playing other sports, he's a guy that's just going to continue to get better and better and improve, and uh, he's a he's a fun kid to be around, and I think that the, the eight-man wasn't a detriment. It really didn't challenge you in, in the evaluation process part of it. Is, is Deron Harrell going to take a – is he on a gray shirt off or is he going to join the team this year? We're going to – Deron is going to – we don't know if he's going to join the team uh, in the summer or if he'll start in January. You know, and that's going to be his call. But there's another uh, guy that we were watching, and, and the more we saw him and, and saw long, athletic, uh, Mickey Turner went out and watched him play hoops. Uh, Ted went and watched him and just thought, here's a, here's a heck of an athlete that we think could be a number of different uh, positions. And at the time we got in late and, and we didn't uh, didn't want to overcommit anything uh, scholarship-wise, but he came here on a visit and uh, with his mom and, and 
they felt like they knew that this is, this is the right fit for us. And so uh, we are excited about Duran, certainly. You reached in-state to uh, the school that's had some success here in Amherst, getting two kids in Beatish as a scholarship guy, and Eric Groshek just announced he's going to walk on. What what can those kids bring to your program? You know, Tyler's a guy, in both of them, they played. Uh, you know, it's a neat program that they've got going there. And, uh, you know, won the state. And, uh, and when Tyler came to camp, we just kept seeing, here's a football player, and you, you watch it, and, you know, Noke on the defense line says, yep, I'd take him. And, and Rudy in the offensive line, you know, I'll take him. You know, so you're talking about a guy that, that both the offense and D-line coaches would like to work with. And uh, from a, a winning program, uh, mom, dad, bro, you get to know them, and it's like, okay, this guy's got some substance to him. He's not afraid of work. And you say, this guy's a, he's a great fit here. And so that's, uh, you know, certainly – you know, I think there's something about guys that have been in uh, winning programs, but uh, you wouldn't just start there and, and not recruit. You know, we've got other ones that we're really excited about that they didn't win as many games, but I think it certainly is uh, It's pretty neat what they've done. Well, I actually have two questions. Um, first of all, everybody talks about your scholarship players, but what do you expect from this group of walk-ons? This group of walk-ons is uh, its interesting because last year it was a group that we really liked, and we liked this year's group, but last year was many more linemen types, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and uh, I think the ones uh, that we have now are more either skill that we're not sure what skill position, those linebackers that, are, that could grow into something, um, but not the offensive linemen. So it was kind of a complimentary, not by design necessarily, but kind of a complimentary class to last year's class was heavy with the offense and defense linemen. You, you know, you announced six walk-ons. There have been three or four other kids who have said on Twitter that they're, they've accepted preferred walk-on status. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you announce them? Is there something precluding that? Or? You know, it's the, uh, the big thing is, is making sure that they're admitted into school. And, and as they go through it, and, and so uh, had a weekend this past weekend. We had uh, recruiting weekend. It's making sure that they're uh, admitted into school from our end of it. John, obviously a lot can change with spring ball and then fall camp when most of these guys enroll. Uh, but based on what you know now and what you've seen, um, and, and the personnel that you already have on your team, is there a guy that sticks out as one that could possibly contribute as a true freshman? I know uh, Coach Brackerfield mentioned Garrett Rand. Uh, are there guys like that? There are, and I think it's it's always twofold. It's it's what are our needs, you know, kind of where are we thin maybe at a spot or two, and it's making sure that young man is ready to step in, and, and Garrett certainly physically um, for alignment is advanced. You know, he, he has a chance, I think, to physically be able to play. Now, how all these kids come in and, and how they pick it up and what they do, I, we tell every one of them, come, you know, this summer and fall camp and, and be ready to compete and, and, and play. And yet I think you have a sense during fall camp of, how it's going to shake out and, and play, and, and even that's kind of the inexact science. You know, the last year, Alec Ingold 
you know, came and had a nice camp, but we thought, okay, we're probably going to redshirt him as a linebacker. And then you have, a, you know, the injury at the running back position, and we move him over, and you, you look back at the end of the year, and he gave us a lot of significant snaps. And so, um, you know, there's guys that you think maybe because they're maybe physically or, or or the position they're at might be an easier transition or quicker transition, not so easier, quicker transition, but you really don't know. You know? Well, now that you've been through a, a one full year here, uh, wondering how much recruiting has changed since your last full cycle here, four seasons ago now, and sort of the impact that you know, Sir Irvin has had at Ohio State, and then what Jim Harbaugh and the style he's, the approach he's taken in Michigan, what kind of impact does? Yeah, I, th I think you know each year maybe if you look back at it, there's recruiting maybe evolves or changes a little bit, but I think it's. You really don't get concerned or focused on what other people are doing. You you go out and you identify prospects, and then you find which ones you think are good fit for our program. And whether they're highly recruited, we don't mind recruiting against anyone. And whether they're not highly recruited and no one's on them, we don't mind that. You know, I think that it's uh, and that way. I'd say the. Nothing. I haven't changed that way, and, and you know, felt that that's a way that this program has actually it's done a great job. You know, finding, identifying young men that can develop and become great players, and 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 so I think that they're always you're always going to go up against and compete. You know, all these kids have choices, and yet I think in the end it's. When you ask every one of the kids, and you do that every year, you know what made you to pick coming to Wisconsin? It was it felt right, and so uh, it all comes down to a feeling they have, and it's identifying the right kids and letting them know of your interest, and then getting guys that want to be a part of something. And I think that there's a draw to Wisconsin that you know kids pick it because. Certainly, the football starts it probably, but it's the academics, and it's they believe in in what we believe, and that's the you know the strength of the team, and they want to be a part of this team. And so, I don't know if you know. I think maybe what's changed is I don't know if it's what's changed is more people are understanding, and hearing more because of social media of all the things that go on with recruiting. But um, you know, there's been recruiting battles for a long time, and and. A lot of people do a lot of different things in recruiting. I think you're just hearing more about it. And maybe because of social media, it's becoming a little bit more uh, sensationalized or, you know. And yet I think, you know, there's some pretty cool ways that kids announce what they're doing. I kind of like that part of it, but I don't even know what the heck you asked. <laughs> I don't know I feel like Bo. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> you, you alluded to depth questions when you talk about Alec having to switch over. Right. Uh, unless something changes, you've got three scholarship quarterbacks you'll be going into. Is, is that enough of a number, or is there a chance of adding to that? If they're the right ones, it's the right number. Um, you, you know, I think that it's it's you, you're. I, I feel comfortable with it, and um, and yet I think that. You know, we'd like to take one a year. You know, there's there's been a gap, and with DJ transferring, and 
Um, you know, that was a little bit different scenario. Uh, you know, really since last year, there's two quarterbacks that are no longer with us. But I think also we're recruited to a different style, I would guess. And so um, I really do like the three that we have. I'm excited to work with them and have gone into seasons with less than that. And then certainly had seasons where you have more depth. But I think we've got two quarterbacks. You know, Bart's played a lot of football. Um, been around the program, made not as many starts. I liked what he did when he came in uh, against Illinois. And I liked his growth this year. You know, I'm excited about Alex and how he took advantage of this past year. And um, I think he's got a chance to be a really good football player. And I think it does help having Curry here early, you know, so we've got three for spring. But it uh, wouldn't add, like, not panicking and saying, boy, we need another number. Um, don't feel that at all. Were there challenges or snags throughout the year in the recruit in this recruiting class? Because today's a culmination of all the right. good things that happened, but were there any problems or snags or tough challenges? Yeah, I think there always are. You know, as you're going through it, it there is no script. And in each one of these kids, as they get recruited, there's no manual for them how they go through it and, and what they do, and they're trying to figure out what are the things that are going to be most important to them and their decision. And so there is certainly no script that you just follow it right down. You know, maybe the, uh, you know, Luke Benchwell, that was a pretty, once we offered him and his brother's here and he likes it, dad played here, That that there weren't a lot of snags in that one. But it's just, um, and yeah, you don't want to assume that because there's connections or Great, you know, it was just because mom and dad went here. You want to go through the process. You want them to feel the process. And um, but yeah, every year, every every trip you take, every uh, everything. There's there's a lot of different things that happen in the recruiting, and you just got to be flexible with it. But it's uh, I really do like this group that we've signed today, and I think it's a great fit, and I think it's made up of some. Tremendous people and uh, the kids. The, it's a fun, good group of parents, and and um, but how you get there, that's the kind of the the enjoyable part, and it's is the journey to it for these kids and and for us going through the process. John, this is probably a ridiculous question, noting that it's February third. But could you see any situation in which a true freshman could win the starting quarterback position in your system, noting? How complicated, you know, it goes from high school to the college game, and also noting Correa's ability. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, rule out any. You know, the quarterback's not. It might be a little bit harder, but you know, we've had a number of different players. You know, true freshman Travis Frederick did it, and you would say, and when we were here, that the center position is the most difficult of the offensive line positions. Um, and, and that's why all of them, you know, Curry is no different than everyone else. You come in and, and be ready to compete, you know, but I think that uh, and that also goes to, you know, is he going to be better than Bart and Alex? And, and you don't know. And that's why you want them to think that way and you want to coach them that way. And I think all the competition especially the quarterback positions with yourself. It's being challenging yourself and working to become the best you can be. And at the end, you know, we're going to play one, two, three of them. But 
you know, last thing to worry about is who's starting against LSU, and, and certainly for Gray, we, we haven't even been on the field yet with him with a ball in his hand, and so. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say no to anybody, and, and nothing's impossible, and uh, all that. But it's, uh, I think it's, you're asking a lot of someone to do that. What role did uh, Justin Wilcox play in Garrett Rand's uh, signing coming in at the eleventh hour as he did? Well, apparently he didn't screw it up because he went out there and, <laughs> and went, and he'd known uh, Garrett and, and certainly Joe and uh, Rudolph and Noke were really involved in, in recruiting Garrett. But I think it was, you know, one of the things that, that Garrett was uh, that was real for him in the process was understanding what defense we're going to use. And when there is a change, um, they want to know how is that going to affect them, and, and really. Um, that was one thing that there weren't a lot of. I didn't have, you know, Garrett talked a little bit about it, but other than that, there weren't a lot of questions about who's going to be the defensive coordinator. You know, we had told him early, and th this is what I was looking to do, and, and kind of stay within the 3-4. So once they understood that, but I think it's a group that picked Wisconsin for a ton of reasons. And But I think Justin went in, and I think it just, um, probably more than anything, reassured him what we were telling him was accurate. Anything else for Coach? All right. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. Radio things, or yeah, I think. Yeah. 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 Yeah.